in a very special episode. Jack and Josh say goodbye to Norm MacDonald and his dirty work. This is Truly Happily Madison. Hit the theme! Hello, and welcome to our, our special episode this week. Um, hi, Josh. Oh, hi, Jack Gregson. How's it going? It's good, thank you. How are you? Oh, no, yeah. it's not good. It's somber. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm extremely sad. Um, um, but I'm also happy in my new flat, finally. Uh, just got the internet. Hence why we didn't have an episode episode last week. week. (laughs) But exciting. (laughs) All exciting. How are you getting on? I'm all right. Yeah, you know, just bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. Um, uh, Just, uh, yeah, I'm not much to report. Um, I made a very good commercial for ridiculousness this week, and I'm very proud of it. Um, Other than that, yeah, all's good. Um, Very nice. And yes, this is uh, Each Week, your hosts, Jack Gregson and Josh Pappenheim, discuss the entire filmography of Happy Madison Productions from 1999 to current day, except this week, where we'll be talking about a film that Happy Madison didn't have anything to do with. And um, depending on where we're going to place our Master of Disguise chat, um, you you might notice we're not alone. Uh, Not alone. We are joined by comedian Nick Helm. Nick, how are you doing? Oh, hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, but I was, I was very sad uh, when I found out that Norm MacDonald died. Yes. This is why we've gathered here this week. <laughs> gathered as if we are together. Um, but no, no, yeah, we're, we're here to talk about Norm MacDonald, which I was, yeah, when I heard, I was absolutely devastated. It's about, Three weeks ago today, or three weeks ago yesterday, um, mm. Josh texted me, telling me, just texted me and said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't give any context. I thought you would have seen. I was at a class. Yeah, the... you were at class, so I had to tell you, when, what, are we, what are you sorry about? And I had to say, it was yeah, extremely sad. You had to sad. tell me. I had to tell I'll you. I'll never forgive you for it. Well, I didn't do it. Oh, no, yeah, but you're the one who... I'm gonna shoot the messenger. Like, okay, yeah, no, fine, fine, good. But yeah, we're here to we're here to chat Norm Macdonald and uh, and the movie Daddy Work. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's just start. Nick, maybe give us a little uh, history of how of of your love of Norm. And uh... well, well, like I so I can't I can't remember what I was doing when I found. I think I woke up in the morning and I just and I was like, oh no, that I found out that it died. But uh, mm. because and when you, I think like what most people did who were fans of Norm Macdonald, as soon as we found out, went on a massive kind of like YouTube binge and just watched. And then there was just like all of his friends were coming out and um, saying that nobody knew that he was ill, 
and it's sort of like that was that was one of the things that I was just like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know he was yeah. ill. And, we're, and we're, uh, obviously he was ill for like a well, no, I say obviously, but he was ill for a long time. And I've watched lots of YouTube clips over the years, and you know he had like um, uh, he gained a lot of weight at one point, and uh, and then he seemed to age very rapidly, um, and. So when you look back on it, you kind of like there are sort of telltale signs here and there where you go, oh right, well, you must have been on medication here, and you don't even notice it in hindsight. You mm. only notice it in hindsight, and um, and you know it doesn't. I suppose it doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, but um, but weirdly, and I just think it's just so weird. It's just that throughout lockdown, I've almost I almost watched. Like a Norm Macdonald video a day, like I, I, I subscribe to there's a YouTube um, channel called I'm Not Norm. Yeah, it's me too. <laughs> and um, and I subscribe to that, and so I get Norm Macdonald videos every day. And then what they'll do is they'll uh, scour all of his interviews and all of his material, and they'll put it into sort of like categories, so you can see what Norm Macdonald thinks about certain subjects. And so, I've, yeah, I, I I watched a lot of Norm Macdonald throughout the entire of lockdown, and I'm I, uh, I, I got a girlfriend, and I've been seeing someone, and I've been sort of like slowly introducing her to <laughs> Norm Macdonald, to the point where you know started her off with the moth joke and the Bob Saget roast, and then you know graduated to <laughs> uh, Hitler's dog. Uh, which is sort of like a, it's sort of quite a gentle stand-up special, I think. Um, <laughs> well, that was but, why he was incredible. He actually did like very gentle jokes at points that were. There's like for me, there's nobody who has like such great delivery like Norm Macdonald. Well, it's sort of when you watch the Hitler's Dog special, he sort of, it's almost like he implies jokes. So he'll sort of mm. like. He'll say enough, and then when he knows that the audience is sort of like up to speed or ahead of him, he'll sort of just give up on the joke, and he'll just like go, oh, "There you go." Do you know what I mean? Because he goes like, "You get it." It's almost like he says, "It's almost like he's going, yeah, you, right, you get it." I'll just move on to the next thing." But he's not in a he's not in a hurry to deliver things. He's really laid back, and sometimes he'll be sort of like mid sentence, and then he'll just be like, "I've said enough of that sentence for you to understand the basic gist of what I mean," and then. He'll just leave it up to us to sort of finish it off for him, which I think is sort of incredible. That Hitler's dog thing is great, and then his, and then you see his um, his chat show on Netflix, but also his, um, I guess it was a podcast, but mm. I used to watch Normal it on live. Yeah, it was like he was just he's mischievous. He um, was he 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 was so sort of fascinating in that sort of he had a sort of ability. He actually gets, I think, a lot of what Sandler doesn't get in that he does like ooze off effortless cool, which I think Sandler is something mm. is someone who's tried to do that, but actually Sandler is much more fun when he's a bit shit, as we talked about on like uh, Billy Madison last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, Norm has this sort of... Norm is Norm has this sort of Phil Hartman thing where like he feels like 
he feels like he's the smartest person in any room, but doesn't make you feel like you're going to feel awful for it. Mm. He, but that's exactly what's so special about him is that, and you'll also see people misinterpret him and 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 underestimate him uh, on his chat shows. Mm. But so, um, so he's always the smartest person in the room, but he doesn't have he doesn't feel the need to tell people. I think that what you get a lot of in comedy is you get very clever people that want you to know how clever they are. And in doing that, they're not telling the joke. And um, I always find that quite frustrating because mm-hmm. I just think your job is to be funny. And I I thought that, and then I saw him sort of like articulate that in one of his interviews. And you kind of like, yeah, that's exactly right. He's the cleverest person in the room, but he doesn't, yeah, he's, he was really well read. Um, he was, in, in terms of sort of like being religious, he didn't just settle on, uh, on being Christian because that was what um, he was born as. He sort of like explored other religions to sort of, it wasn't about religion, it was about spirituality, it seemed. And so it's sort of like, it, it, it was just sort of like this really sort of interesting, thoughtful person. And then his comedy is about being funny. Mm. And it's not like two separate things, but there's like this, but, but he's not in a rush to sort of, you know, when you look at the moth joke, the moth joke is really funny, but it's got all of these Chekhov references in it. But you don't, you don't feel like you're being hit around the head by the fact that he's, he's doing Chekhov references. Uh, but he would have known that, because, you know, he would have he would have known what he's talking about because, you know, all of that that I, I suppose you've seen the the Conan o, O'Brien um, explanation of the moth joke. Um, I actually haven't. <laughs> oh well, Norm Macdonald was on one section on Conan O'Brien and finished, and he'd prepared seven minutes of chat. Uh, because you know you do a chat show like that, and it's sort of a showcase for you. So you you pre- you prep it. You know the questions aren't ever given to you like off uh, off the cuff and fly. That you basically you have a researcher that phones you up. I know this from doing stuff like Sunday brunch, where a researcher mm-hmm. phones you up and they say, "What are you promoting? What are you talking about?" They'll ask you some questions, and you'll basically do sort of like a mock interview, and then depending on what went well, they'll write it up for the hosts to do. And so when you're doing American TV, I imagine it's similar, yeah. where, where it's, you basically it's, say you've got material. It's Janine Garofalo's role in the Larry Sanders show. Um, right. And, um, and so what happened was he did a seven-minute bit and then it got to the break. And um, uh, Conan O'Brien said, and Norm's going to be joining us in the in the after the break. And Norm MacDonald was like, I haven't got anything. <laughs> and uh, uh, and he remembered this joke that um, he'd heard like the week before or whatever. Um, and it was like a 20 second, 30 second joke. And uh, he said, how long's the bit? And they said seven minutes. So he just stretched his 30 second joke out <laughs> to seven minutes. And that was it. And, he, and it was all... Um, it was all spontaneous. It was all off, 
as Conan O'Brien says, it was all on the fly. So it was like, so I mean, all of that stuff was in his head. He, he, he knew what he's doing. And when you when you watch the um, Norm Macdonald's got a show on Netflix, there's a bit where he's talking to Michael Keaton, and Michael Keaton, it's like Norm is playing kind of like an idiot, and uh, it puts people at ease. But people just don't underestimate him. And he's talking to Michael Keaton. And Michael Keaton sort of like misunderstands or he starts sort of like um, uh, patronising him a little bit. And it's not mean, it's not malicious. But it, Michael Keaton's obviously on there because Norm MacDonald knew him or he's got something to promote on Netflix or whatever. Mm. But, um, but they're talking about this history that they've got together and how they've known each other for years. But even someone that's known him for years sort of like gets suckered into thinking that Norm MacDonald isn't as clever as he is. And Norm doesn't sort of like stick up for himself and tell him, <laughs> you know, I'm doing a bit or this is an act. You know, he sort of goes along with it. But you're, but I was watching it just kind of like going, he knows that. You're just, you know, you don't get him. You don't get him. In a yeah. way, it's sort of like a very, he, it, it, it's sort of like a very British sense of humour. Where... Very much. So. Mm. I actually saw. Um, I was watching a clip of Norm earlier, and he was, of all things, he was talking about the Carry On movies, right? Oh, wow. And uh, and being a fan of those. And I don't think I've ever heard someone outside of the UK talk about the Carry On movies. And I think, um, I think a bit almost like Mike Myers before him, he has this weird bit of a British sensibility to his comedy. Perhaps growing up Canadian. Well, um, I guess. I guess Canada has sort of like British links um, mm. that would have been because Mike Myers is Canadian as well, right? Was he born in Liverpool? I'm not. I think was he born there, I've, or is his dad <laughs> Scottish? His, his dad is Scottish, and his mum is from Liverpool, and he mm. was either born in England and then moved over, or he was born. He in was Canada. born in Toronto. But he's got a Liverpudlian mum and. Yeah, so that all comes through. But I think also Mike Myers talked a lot about his British roots because he was promoting Austin Powers. Mm. Yeah, he didn't yeah. talk about his British roots when he was you know, promoting Wayne's World. So it's sort of like... Um, uh, but, yeah, so I guess being kind of like not American. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean Norm was ever shy of like his Canadian roots. He loved, he was obviously... Big on talking on on Canada and stuff, but like um he he was like I didn't realize this till today that he got to like the final question on who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah, I mean it's on there. I, mean, we, I watched it. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I think I think I watched it before he died. Like I've literally been watching Norm <laughs> Macdonald stuff, and my girlfriend got really into him really quickly, and um. Uh, and so we sort of like found a new Norm Macdonald clip. I, I don't watch a lot of comedy. I watch, I mainly watch kind of like uh, food shows or films. Mm-hmm. And and when it, but with Norm Macdonald, it was kind of like, oh, this guy is, I don't know. He was just, he was so, so special. I guess so. No, I'm, yeah. I'm the same way. Like I can't. There's like people will share like comedy clips online, and I, I I'm not very interested. But I've been watching like every day for like the past three weeks the clip of um, Norm talking about his wife being a battle axe, 
Yeah. And and the joke about calling her a dirty dog and stuff like that because yeah. it's insanely <laughs> funny. It is, it, it, it is funny, but in that clip, you've got Conan O'Brien saying a battle axe. <laughs> that's a very outdated word for, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, that's the joke. That's, do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, so even someone like Conan O'Brien, mm. who obviously was a huge fan, a huge supporter of what he did, even someone like Conan O'Brien is sat next to him and he's like going, a battle axe? Why are you using a word like battle axe? Isn't that a really old, outdated word mm. and it's kind of like yeah that's the joke that's why norm mcdonald is using it because nobody calls their partners a battle axe anymore that's why it's that's why it's so funny it and is. then brian is sort of like explaining not but he's not even explaining the joke he's sort of like he doesn't he doesn't quite get the joke and it's sort of like that's it it's just the fact that he's using that outdated word right i wonder if that's at all mm. just because like he almost has to do it for the audience I think I see. I I think there is some of that as well, but I but it's it's just it's difficult to tell. I do I do understand that kind of like Conan O'Brien's job as the host was to sort of like uh, guide the audience by the hand through a lot of what's going on, but um, it seems like so in the moment because he's like laughing in disbelief that he's using sort of like such a outdated phrase. Um, it's <laughs> There's something. To, please go ahead. If you were new to Norm Macdonald, what would, how would you introduce someone to Norm Macdonald? I mean, so actually, that's kind of like interesting to talk about, like regarding towards Josh, because we've been doing this podcast for a year now. Yeah, and Norm has popped up, and I have always been like, Norm is one of the funniest things in any of these movies that we've done. Yeah, like, yep. but he's in the first one. He's in Deuce Bigelow as the bartender. It's in the animal. He's he's hilarious in the animal. He's very good in the animal. Um, uh, he's in European Gigolo. Yes, he's got like one line in Funny People. He's very funny. He's cut out of Grown Ups, which is a shame. And then he's, he's his worst part is like in Jack and Jill, which I think might have been his last. Happy yeah, Madison movie. That sounds right. No, he was in. He was in Ridiculous Six. Oh, that's right. He is in Ridiculous Six very briefly. Yeah, I watched it. Not? I watched it last night or the night before. I watched Ridiculous Six <laughs> the other night. Which yeah, I watched when it came out uh, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was awful. And then I watched it again two nights ago, and I was. I, I didn't laugh consistently. But I still was laughing out loud at stuff by like the one hour for it's two hours long. What it's the fuck is boy. it doing being two hours long? But by the one hour forty five minute mark, I was still finding stuff funny. You know, this is similar to how I kind of I didn't like my experience with the ridiculous six, but I did <laughs> laugh. <laughs> I think that's how I I sort of came down on it. There were moments where I was like, oh, I get that. That's a joke. It's sort of a weird. It's, I mean, it's a weird film because it's it takes itself like Adam Sandler hasn't got a funny part in it. No, no. he's sort of like, really he's boring in it. He's boring. He's really straight, but it's kind of like he's trying to do like a Clint Eastwood. Yeah, but they haven't found anything funny to do with it. Mm. It's it's. <laughs> it's a wildly like that's it. Like, I think we ended up as you do when talking about comedy westerns we ended up sort of comparing it to blazing saddles 
and um and just I think, talk... I think it's really trying to be like the three amigos right yeah there's a touch of that as well but it's it's, it's nowhere really... near the as interesting or weird or as funny as oh, any no, of those no movies. absolutely not it's a, it's a happy madison production <laughs> <laughs> There have been funny Happy Madison productions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There have, but but uh, but it's almost like by accident sometimes, right? <laughs> oh, that's so true. It's it's because it's kind of like there's no there's no rhyme or, because I remember what, I'd say why it's like the Three Amigos is there's a campfire sequence where they all have a song yes. around the campfire, and then that was the moment. It's just like oh, they're huge Three Amigo fans, and that's what they're aiming for, and you kind of like go oh, all right. But um, but the thing about the ridiculous six was sort of like everyone said, oh, it's just this lazy Adam Sandler film, and I thought about it and I was like, there's nothing really lazy about it. It's kind of he had to get up every day. He had to wear hair hair and makeup. <laughs> you know, well, this is every film. He he, uh, they were on location. Um, they uh, they you know it's period. You know, they've, they've, there's a budget to it. The special effects are good. You know, there was just they've put a lot of money into jokes that don't work. It's not like it's not that it's lazy. It's just that they've put all of the work in sort of the wrong places. They haven't mm. written a script that's yes. You know, but I, imagine, I know what you mean. I imagine knocking Harvey Keitel's head off with a shovel. <laughs> One on of the paper, better moments of the movie. Yeah, but on paper, I imagine they're, they're kind of like, yeah, that that is great. And then you watch it, and it's sort of like everything just falls sort of flat. Luke Wilson's mm. great in it. Um, oh, this, the, the comment of Lazy makes me want to know, did you watch The Week Of? Yeah. So I'm a big, well, yeah, I'm a fan of The Week Of, but all the reviews were like, such a lazy movie. Such a, I was like, this, this looks like the hardest working Adam Sandler has been in years. Yeah, like he's yeah, big time. Properly connecting with this movie. But he's tried to make almost um, like um, one of his art house films through Happy Madison. Yeah. Mm. But it's still very much a happy, he's still got Steve Buscemi in it doing something where you're kind of like, come on, mate, you're a yeah. This is beneath you. He's you know? my least favorite part of that movie. <laughs> he's, he's ter- I think Steve Buscemi's terrible in the week of. It's, it's, but it's, it, but it's a really weird film where the trailers sold it like it was like this indie kind of wedding movie with mm. Adam Sandler and Chris Rock, and then the film was a lot broader and it was a lot more in keeping to a lot of his other stuff. But there's a lot of indie stuff, and in, like that, that's the film I'm like, that's Adam Sandler showing a real heart for the first time in a long time and i love i really enjoyed that movie i kind of want to watch the week of again already i don't i I mean i don't remember it much i remember the do-over a lot more than i remember the week of oh yeah Um, the do-over where they cured cancer yeah um i love david spade uh, and so anytime he gets sort of like even in the ridiculous six when he turns up as I mean it's sad because he's in the scene with Vanilla Rice and Vanilla Rice just steals the show and it's kind of like wow and David Spade looks amazing as Colonel Custer but I yeah it's, so to to have like David Spade have like a, a chance to shine in something like the do over is kind of good but then it just always resorts to sort of 
you know, homophobia and and you, you kind of like have to It is a happy Madison to, movie. Yeah, <laughs> you have to sort of like you have to accept that that comes with it and just it's 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 there's sort of like there's a nasty side to a lot of the films where you have to kind of like ignore it to like fully enjoy the films, which is really it's prob they're sort of problematic films, but yes. the good stuff is great. And then every so often there's like this horrible bit where it's kind of like, which you know sort of brings us to dirty work in a way. Mm. Yeah, well, I was going to say so. Just um, just quickly back on so Josh, because I I know you weren't as hot on Norm to begin with as as I was. I guess it's just that I didn't have that context of who he was in any sense of it. So, like, when he popped up, you know, I was like, yeah, no, it's all right. Like, what he's doing is all right, but it's still a character in a Happy Madison film. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, like, good for it. still wasn't like, ah, ha, 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 incredible. It was just like, <laughs> oh, whatever. But you were coming, I could sense that you were coming into it and viewing Norm MacDonald himself as an actor and a comedian with all the context of who he is behind it, having read like his memoir or not well, his fake memoir, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Like you have a, you had an emotional comedic attachment to him Mm. that I just didn't have. So I was like, I don't really get it, but you know, whatever, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But there's, uh, there's, that's, I mean, that's absolutely right. Cause, um, because you watch, I mean, you can't, you can't, you know, show the ridiculous six to someone and say, Harvey Keitel is one of the greatest actors that's ever lived. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look at him. You know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like, so there's no way that, you know, in watching Billy Madison, if you pointed out at Norm MacDonald and Billy Madison and said, you know, that guy there, he's the greatest comedian ever. Um, you're not going to get any appreciation for Norm MacDonald through watching Billy Mad- uh, through watching the Happy Madison films. True, but what true. you are going to do is you're going to appreciate Norm MacDonald by yourself away from that stuff. And then the fact that those guys, Adam Sandler and, uh, you know, David Spade and um, Rob Schneider and Chris Rock, the fact that all of those guys love Norm MacDonald so much they just tried to include him in all of their stuff mm. you know and so when you watch something like Grown Ups and then you see Norm MacDonald's in it or Norm MacDonald's other part in it you kind of um, it's not that his performance in that film is what makes him the standout it's just the fact that if you know him and you love him it's an extra added bonus it yeah, might be yeah. the highlight right. of that film because it's like oh god Norm MacDonald's in it great brilliant <laughs> And so, like, even even Ridiculous Six, he's got such a blink and you'll miss it part in that. But I, I recognised him and I was like, Norm. And then I sort of, like, went back <laughs> down again, you know? I like that. It's almost like you're, like, when you see a friend. Uh, yeah. just, oh, Norm! <laughs> you missed him. But, but I didn't, I didn't realise, you know, I didn't realise that in, I watched him every day during lockdown. For the last year and a half, I watched him every day. And when he died, you know, there's been a lot of celebrity deaths. And um, and it's sad, you know, if it's someone like, you know, that you're a fan of or something, mm. you kind of like, is that sad? And like, when Sean Connery died, it was kind of like, okay. Um, and I watched a bunch of Sean Connery films to sort of like, um, you know, remember him and all of that. And I wasn't sad about it. He was an old guy. He'd retired for ages. And you kind of like, go, yeah. 
but um, uh, so I guess Sean Connery is like a terrible example because I didn't really have an emotional connection to him. But there's a lot of bit. Christopher yeah. Plummer like hit me quite hard because mm. I grew up with Sound of Music. Um, no, I, I, I get. It. I, I had it. Um... <laughs> And when I was like 20, when Harvey Picard died, I got really sad because I'd read like a lot of American Splendor comics and right. um, really fell in love with with that world that he was bringing to life. And yeah, like it's, um, it's it, I think it is those sort of, as well, those sort of like obscure types who you've really taken to heart. And especially when it's this unexpected out of nowhere death it's just someone you just sort of expected to be around i, I like I, we've said it many times on this show like um weirdly norm followed me on twitter and yeah one of like the ongoing sort of like gags was like we're gonna get we're gonna get norm on the show we're gonna get and then when he died like i was like oh man we should have asked norm to come on the show yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. um it's uh, i mean um I mean, we had uh, uh, Bob Saget on our um, our show. Mm. Uh, mine and Nathaniel Metcalf uh, did a show called Fan Club, which <laughs> we've stopped. We don't do it anymore. But um, but we had Bob Saget on, and he got to talk about dirty work. We mainly talked about Chris Farley though, because mm. um, Chris Farley. I mean, he's Chris Farley's my hero, um, um, but. But all of these celebrity deaths that have happened recently, it's kind of like, yeah, it's sad. But with Norm Macdonald, it felt absolutely incredibly personal. And what I hadn't realised is from like over the last year and a half is that he'd become my favourite comedian. Mm. And I hadn't realised that. And then I, you know, uh, on fan club uh, a couple of weeks ago when we recorded that, I was talking about Norm Macdonald and I started, it was like the next day, I think. And I started crying about it on the actual, on air. Mm -hmm. And it sort of like took me by surprise because I thought I could, you know, I'll just say something about it. But it was too soon for me. And um, uh, it it felt like it was cheeky and it was very intelligent and very clever. Um, But also, you know... um, that Bob Saget roast that he did when he just did all of the 1950s jokes, that was, just, that was, I found, I found that so funny good. for 10 years. And that's almost like when you meet a new person and, and, and you're sort of like testing out, you know, how, how much do we really have in common? And then you yeah. say, what, watch this. And then they watch the Bob Saget roast. And if they like it, then they're a keeper, you know? I mean, spe- speaking of. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. That's that's my favorite. That's my favorite quote from the entire thing. It's, 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 so, it's not. But it's not. It's not. It's this man is for the birds. That's funny. It's the pause he does afterwards, where he's got a smile and he's staring out at the audience. Apparently, that roast was twenty minutes, and they showed the best seven minutes. Like the seven minutes that the audience didn't that, that, that the audience reacted to, because he did another twelve minutes or thirteen minutes of silence, and they thought he's dying. We can't show that, so they showed the seven minutes where the audience were laughing. But by that point, I think the audience were only laughing to make it look like they'd got the joke. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's it. Like that's that's the wonderful thing about it is that the the reactions are so perfect with it as well. 
just, um, and it's very about being a colourful personality. You've got a yellow streak down your back. <laughs> but, but at the end of it, he he made sure that he told everyone like how much he loved Bob Saget, mm. uh, what a wonderful, amazing person Bob Saget was. You know, um, he, he's at a roast, and the idea is that you just like tear people to pieces, and you're as horrible as horrible as you can be. And he, at the end of his roast, where he doesn't really roast his mate, he stops everything and he says, I love this guy. And, and he did something really similar on Letterman. And, yeah, um, yeah. And regardless of what you feel about um, uh, Roseanne, kind of Roseanne helped him out a lot mm. at the start of his career and he stuck by her when she was getting cancelled. And, um, and he didn't really let the fact that it you know, it could reflect badly on him getting in the way of that. He sort of, he, he stuck he stuck by his friends. And I think that's really rare in show business. Um, and I, there's just so many clips where amongst all the jokes, you just see that he was just this very kind, uh, caring, loyal person. And I just thought, I just think, I just thought he was just wonderful. I think jumping off that, especially with uh, the connection to Bob Saget, Josh, do you have an IMDb plot synopsis for Dirty Work? Oh, I do. Let me. It's been a while since I've been on that tab, though. So, <clears throat> where is it? Cool. From a young age, Mitch Weaver and Sam McKenna have been best friends. Now, the pair are losers who have no direction. When Sam's father suffers a heart attack, the pair need to quickly come up with $50,000 for a heart transplant. Having a knack for exacting revenge on people who wronged them, Mitch and Sam start a revenge for hire business. The pair are given a job that could give them the money to cover the transplant, but they may have gotten more than what they bargained for. Written by a guy. Excellent. It's very good. And uh, the stats you got uh, directed by Bob Saget, as we've mentioned Yay. before. Stars Norm MacDonald, Artie Lang, uh, Jack Warden, Woo. Trailer Howard, uh, and Chevy Chase. Woo. <laughs> um, this was released on the 12th of June, 1998, and made for a budget of $13 million. Mm. Um, sadly, uh, it's limped its way to only making $10 million at the US box office. Mm. It opened at number nine below The Truman Show, Woo. Six Days and Seven Nights, mm. A Perfect Murder, Can't mm. Hardly Wait, mm. Godzilla, mm. Hope Floats, mm. Deep Impact, and The mm. Horse Whisperer. Mm. And uh, has a um, an unfortunately low Rotten Tomato score of fourteen percent. Right. Nah, I think better. Dirty Work's a really fun film. It's pretty good. I think. Tell you what, I saw because I'd seen Dirty Work before when Norm died. I watched Screwed. So did I. <laughs> um, what? Because for the same reason. Well, I watched it because I, I watched Daddy Work first because I knew we were going to do uh, an episode on Norm after after he passed away, and then I was like, I'm also going to watch Screwed um, because I don't think oh I've never seen it, and it's always been a bit of a curiosity to me because it's it's what it's McDonald, Chappelle, and Devito, and yeah. Sarah Silverman who I absolutely love, mm, yeah. um, and it's directed by um, 
uh, is it uh, Alexander and Karaszewski who uh, wrote Edward and um, The People versus Larry Flint? Oh, right, and, yeah. Uh, and Problem Child and Problem Child 2. It's the only film they directed. Um, right. So I've always been sort of curious about it, and it seemed like the appropriate time to watch it when Norm passed away. Mm. Yeah. I don't I think, think I like it as much as I like Dirty Work. Do you know what? I felt, I I heard awful things about Sprood mm. and I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's definitely interesting. It's, it's a lot better than its reputation. Yes. Uh, and, and do you know what? I think people are... It feels like an actual film, which a lot of the Happy Madison films don't. Mm. Um it felt like it's got a plot and it's got performances in it and uh, Danny DeVito uh, does a really great character in it. Uh, Elaine Stritch is in it. Elaine Stritch is great. Just for those who don't know, um, uh, it's uh, the plot of Screwed is a chauffeur kidnaps his rich boss's dog to hold it for ransom, but when she accidentally gets the dog back, she thinks it's the chauffeur has been kidnapped. Um... So it's right. a very strange little. It's like it's a black comedy. It's very much a black comedy. Yeah, it's it's really dark, <laughs> but it's but it's funny, and um, and if it's funny, then yeah, I, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. But the thing about and and so I watched that and I was like, oh, right, I like this. This is better than I thought it was going to be. So then when I went back and rewatched Dirty Work, um. I remember I watched Dirty Work when I uh, probably maybe around around the same time as when I saw uh, Billy Madison for the first time. So late nineties, maybe mm. it was on cable, and um, I, I found Dirty Work to be one of the funniest films I had ever seen. <laughs> and when I rewatched it, I was sort of disappointed that it wasn't as funny as I remembered it. Mm. But what I, I would say, what I would say is that it is a film with some really great gags in it and some really good sort of set pieces. I think it is well. Like it's a film that feels like a hundred percent Norm Macdonald. Like I, I feel well, maybe not a hundred percent, but then very, very close to it. I think Norm's personality is one of those ones that would be, it's actually very hard to capture on film. Um, But the idea that, um, the idea that this movie just ends with his narration of just him saying, so he's dead. That's it. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) To me, it's just like one, one of the best movie endings, definitely the best ending I think we've had on this podcast. Um, uh, and like obviously he's got his uh, note to self jokes which he was known for doing sort of on SNL Um, is he the originator of that because that's all I could think because I remember that being such a big thing when I was a kid and never understanding why I'm not sure because that could be interesting kind of like the what's his name and being like oh the ex from hell Richard Lewis Richard Lewis, the blank from hell. The blank from hell. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I, well, maybe. Maybe that's it's, it's something that he really used a lot. I, I, but I don't know. Like, there's. I, I think I brought it up earlier. Like, he's very likable in in this movie. Like, as soon as it starts, I want to be on his side much more so than I ever am in like a 
Rob Schneider or David Spade movie, like mm. Norm wins me over immediately. And it's also something that we brought up on uh, Happy Gilmore, not Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, is it's populated with like a lot of like smaller character actors who are very fun to see. Like I think Artie Lang is very fun in this movie. I love Jack Warden popping up in anything as mm. um, as the Pops character. One of the things it does really well is it has sort of a, a cross-generational gathering of some of the most famous comedians mm. at that time. So you've got Don Rickles, Chevy Chase, Adam Sandler, uh, uh, Chris Farley, um, and then Gary Coleman, Norm- Gary Coleman, <laughs> and his cameo. You've got Norm Macdonald and Artie Lang, and it's just this sort of, um, uh, and then it's it's directed by Bob Saget, and it's mm. it's sort of like, um, I just think that um, you know the idea the the film is they set up a dirty deeds uh, company to, so that people can get revenge, and th- and that idea is never fully uh, exploited. It's mm, never, I agree. It's never fully explored. It's kind of like that should be the film, but. Their actual pranks are very sort of lame, and they all fall <laughs> a bit. They all fall a bit flat, and you kind of like go, "That should be." That I'm just going to start with the negatives, I suppose. No, no, no. <laughs> but I, I, on that same point, I do love Norm's uh, dead hooker prank. Sure, with the um, with, with, in the in the cars. The but that's like the but that's the most successful prank in the film, and that mm. is him advertising. Uh, the, the service that he's doing, and that's the and that's the first thing that they do, and it's the the, the most <laughs> successful one, and they just don't they just don't explore it enough for me, um, and then Why, also I, you've oh. got you've got like uh, Christopher McDonald uh, in it, mm. and it's sort of like he's almost reprising Shooter McGavin, very much, but, yeah, yeah. But they haven't given him any zingers and they haven't given him anything to really work with. So it's almost like a straight part that because Christopher McDonald has just made it into like this really super smug performance. It, but it doesn't really feel like it's there on paper. Whereas in Happy Gilmore, which is what I, that is what I would call that is I would say Happy Gilmore is the best Happy Madison film for me. Next one we're covering. That's the one I've. That's the one I've watched the most. That's the one I uh, enjoy the most. I think it's really quotable. Uh, I think it holds up. I think it's brilliant. Um, and there's a really good script in that. And I just think that he's sort of. He feels like he's thrown in almost last minute in this film. Mm. I know what you mean. And yeah, it's it's. I believe it's two years after Happy Gilmore. Right. So he's probably. Just trading on that appearance. Well, I think that I think they've got mm. they've got like a family, haven't they? They've kind of like got a pool of talent that mm. they all work with, and they would have gone, yeah, it's great. Like, so there's a bit where uh, Fred Wolf is um, uh, uh, sat outside yeah. 
and he's playing a homeless guy. And Fred Wolf uh, wrote Tommy Boy and wrote mm. a lot of these other films. I think he's and, a co-writer uh, on this as well. Right, and then you've yeah. got uh, uh, there's James Downey who plays yeah. a part in Billy Madison. He's the, um, uh, yeah, he does the test in Billy Madison. So you've got all of these recurring sort of like bit parts. Um, uh, it's just it's it's good to see. So I would say for the negatives, I think there are stretches that aren't that funny. There's a lot of homophobia in it, mm. um, uh, which I think you could almost say is sort of ironic um, uh, because it's norm. But I also think because of the time it was made, it's yeah. probably not that ironic. No, um, no. I mean, I, I don't know, think the, it the, is. The prison scene is the is the one that stands out for me there. I think the prison oh the prison scene for me, I think is one of the scenes that actually gets away with it and is 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 quite fun. It, I think it's quite funny. Um I think that this the cinema scene is the scene where you kind of oh, yeah. are you are you fucking kidding me? Um and that's the punchline. Uh but um there's that there's the plotting there's the fact that there isn't a lot of dirty work. There's a plot that's almost used better in Hot Rod, uh, where <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah, trying yeah. to save his save his dad. Um, uh, and so, yeah, there are elements that don't quite work. But you have uh, an amazing cameo from Chris Farley in it. Um, Chevy yeah. Chase. Chevy Chase is, is... You could count this as one of Chevy Chase's best films. Oh, completely. Chevy Chase in this is really funny. The bit where um, he's telling them that he bet everything he owns on on, on uh, Jaguar dying yeah. really yeah. made me laugh. Like he's he's so he's so great, and like probably the first time in a long time he had been great. Because I think like where was he at this point? Like. It couldn't have been too far after like Cops and Robertsons. I think he probably was recovering from his uh, chat shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the and year before he'd done Vegas Vacation. Oh, fuck. I mean, that, I think Chevy Chase is just such a weird comedian because, um, because some of the time you absolutely get what he's doing and he absolutely nails it so i would say like in the vacation movies especially christmas vacation mm. uh in the three amigos like everything about what he does in three amigos is brilliant and it's like on brand you go yeah i get it whereas when you watch something like fletch it's kind of like or um i like fletch or, i like him in fletch i like him in fletch and caddyshack I well, that's the thing, Fletch and Caddyshack. It's just like I don't know what he's doing. It's kind of like he's just trying to get by on his charm, and it's kind of like I don't, I don't get it. Whereas Three Amigos, it's like I get what the character's doing. Mm. I get, I, I get it. So it's like for me, it's sort of he's sort of like he's not like hit and miss because I really, I really love him. But it's kind of like I like it when. Um, I guess I like it maybe when he is sort of like the butt of the joke as opposed to having to buy into the fact that he's the coolest guy in town and something like Caddyshack or Fletch. In a way, he's not too dissimilar from Adam Sandler in that sense. And like, I like Adam... Sandler more when he is a bit of the butt of the joke rather than mm. when he is the coolest guy in the room. 
Well, something sort of weird happened with Adam Sandler, where when he started off, it was kind of like, um, and it's probably to do with the fact that the writing isn't particularly strong, maybe, but like in the early films, it was like his job defined who he was. So he was the water boy. Yeah, and Billy Madison, he didn't have a job. He was like, he he had to go through school to win father's estate. Mm -hmm. In Happy Gilmore, he is a hockey player who now plays golf. And you go, I know what that is. And the film is called Happy Madison and the, uh, Happy Gilmore. And the yes. other film is called Billy Madison. And then you've got The Wedding Singer, The Water Boy, Little Nicky, which I don't think is great. Um, <laughs> but, like, but like the films, I think the mo- more successful ones are that his job defines the character. And then mm. there you go. And then later on, you've got stuff like Just Go With It, where... They make him a plastic surgeon so they can make about three shit plastic surgery jokes. Tit at jokes the and tit jokes, done. Tit jokes, eyebrow jokes, and then they go, right, and now he's on holiday. And they don't really mention the fact he's a plastic surgeon ever again. No. It's got nothing to do with it. And he's got uh, he's got the greatest job in the world. Oh, a cobbler. In... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he's got the he's got the most important job in the world. He's a father in That's My Boy. Oh, and, that's it's, true. and it's the best film in the world. It's so good. Do you, do you, I, are, you, are you messing with me? No, I, I really <laughs> like That's My Boy. I love That's My Boy. Um, yes. I, I, I love it. I think it's, I think it's absolutely... Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it. No, I won't say it. Um, but I, <laughs> I, well, I was just going to say the Emmy Award winner, Brett Goldstein and me, I've talked about that's my boy quite a lot. We both really? love it. I love that's my boy. It's um, yeah, it's, I, it's a I love, mad I love movie. It. Yeah, it's mad, and I it's uh, like like the it's, I I mean I'm lost for words. It's sort of unforgivable <laughs> that they even made it. It's absolutely well. It was I think it was originally meant to be like a like a serious film, and then it's sort of like what they did with I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Where mm. it was, it was the film, and then who was it written by? It was written yeah, by Alexander uh, Payne. Alexander Payne, who did um, Sideways Election, and he wrote he Fuck. wrote this film about these two firemen that got married uh, for the benefits, and um, and then they go, Adam Sandler's making it, and you go, yeah, sure, Adam Sandler's making it, but and then you go, the wrong Adam Sandler turned up, and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. no. Oh no! He's oh, no. This is a film that's meant to be about, in in a weird way. I now pronounce you Chuck, and I imagine that a lot of, and I don't want to paint everyone with the same uh, uh, shade here, but I imagine a lot of Adam Sandler f- fans, judging by a lot of his films, are homophobic. Mm. So, no. So to make a film that's sort of like as ham-fisted as I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, it's 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 like trying to be kind of like it's okay to be gay. It's got it's, a, it's try it 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 tries in all the wrong ways. It's awful, but he's it, he's made a film for his audience. He's yeah, they turned telling, out it was pretty successful, if I remember. Yeah, but correctly. he's. He's not telling you intellectuals like you and I it's okay to be gay. We know this. We've known this for years, right? He's telling his audience it's okay to be gay. And we're not really meant to watch this film. It's not for us. 
it's for an Adam Sandler audience. And 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 so it, that's why it's sort of like so poorly done and ham-fisted. But in its own way, it's trying to do something positive. Um, <laughs> which, in, in its, which is sort of like the... Um... The perspective of most Happy Madison leading men. Yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, I, I hate, I know I pronounce you Chuck and Harry, but that's my boy. Fucking hell. It's sort of like, <laughs> what I love about it is the fact that um, they, were, they were going, for, they knew they were going for an R rating. So it's just like the amount of swearing that he's just chucked in there for no reason. Yeah, yeah. His Boston accent is great. Uh, he's called his kid Han Solo. I think all the wanking jokes are funny. You know, it's like he did, um, he did uh, not analyze this. What was the one? Um, oh, uh, anger management. He did anger management where he had a small dick. So now he's playing a guy that's got a big dick. Yeah, you know yeah what I mean? it's, it's, <laughs> that's range. He's showing range. <laughs> like it's, it's. I just think that that's my point. It's so it, like it, because it's trying so hard to be offensive that it just comes across as really endearing. Because it's <laughs> like, um, I love, I love it. I really love it. I still think that Happy Gilmore is my favorite, but I mean, mm. that's my boy. Might be a close second. I think that's my boy is easily like his funniest film of his later works. That and. Grown-ups too. Grown-ups too. Um, I no, I think I like that's my boy more as just a movie in general. No. Grown-ups two is a piece of shit. No, um, oh, no, no, no. Go back, rewatch it. It's incredible. I remember watching Grown-ups two, uh, and uh, and my girlfriend at the time, uh, uh, I was like, there's like a an introductory scene, and then an in, and we're introducing all the people, and um, I, he's like. We ha- we're hating it. We're watching Grown Ups 2 and we hate it. And it's like, oh, God. And I turn around to her and I say, don't worry. They're just introducing all the characters. The plot will kick in soon. And <laughs> we look at the time and it's 40 minutes into the film. Each of the characters has a standalone scene that goes on for eight to introduce them. Reintroduce them. It's a sequel. We already know the characters. Well, we've got to like, catch up with them. Catch up on them. We need to know them. what Lenny Fader is up to. Even Rob Schneider refused to return for this. It's like, <laughs> and it's a better movie for it. Is it is a way better movie for it. Yeah. But don't you feel that it was really mean what they did to Rob Schneider in the first one? Yeah, but he's a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the thing. Like, I can't think of like I can't think of anything too mean to do to Rob Schneider no. after. I, I've, I mean, I, I in the last in the last week, I've watched every single episode of Real Rob. Um, oh wow! What are you doing to yourself? <laughs> I, I just think it's absolutely just. Uh, I don't want to get. We we'll do it. Hey, let's do another episode on Real Rob. But um, <laughs> but with the but with the first one, it's just sort of like the whole selling point was that Kevin James is like a Chris Farley substitute, but Adam mm. Sandler's getting all of his best friends together so that they can <laughs> hang out drink beer uh, there's even a scene where they're looking at a lake and they're all sat on deck chairs and they must have filmed that for like what five hours <laughs> you know it's literally them sitting looking at a view just talking shit at each other and let us not forget that the end of that movie is the end credits where he adam sandler sings a song about Stand his dear man. old dad, dad dead dad wow <laughs> i mean is that grown-ups one yeah that's yeah. grown-ups one i think my first ever blue way Blu-ray was Grown Ups 2. 
Um, it's a good, good choice. Right? It's a good choice. But, but the thing about Crown's One is that it's sort of like it's a film where Adam Sandler just wants to hang out with his best mate, and yeah. they've made Rob Schneider their rival. So it's like Rob Schneider doesn't even get to hang out with them. Do you know what I mean? It's kind well, of like well, he does though. Like he's there. He's hanging. Yeah, but they're picking on him. They're picking on him throughout the entire. They could film. have made him he's... Colin Quinn. Yes. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I feel like it's payback for the SNL stories that we heard the other week, though, right? Like, I'm not defending Rob Schneider. <laughs> this I, is I, not I, the podcast watched, for that. I am not defending Rob Schneider. I am just saying that if I was Rob Schneider on the set of Grown Up. There is no wonder that I did not return for Grown Ups Two. But mm, didn't he? Mm. Didn't he not do Grown Ups Two because he was doing real Rob? He no. was doing. He was doing Rob! Dad. Exclamation point! <laughs> the first uh, Rob Schneider first sitcom. Rob. Was that a different sitcom called Rob? Yeah, where I think it's him and Cheech Marin. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just like I think Cheech Marin plays like his father-in-law. And it's it's Rob adjusting to life married to a, 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 a Latina woman. Right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be good, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. We should watch that. No. Let's talk about that. We should watch work. all eight episodes. Well, what I want to say on uh, Dirty Work when we were talking about um That's My Boy as well, because uh, we you talked about like how the jokes don't go far enough. Apparently Dirty Work was originally filmed as an R-rated movie. Mm. Um, yeah. and Chevy Chase was very like when on set he was apparently very into the R-ratedness of it all and right. told Norm they're going to try and talk you down to a PG-13 don't let them do it and unfortunately they did it um, Right. and I think Norm has made it pretty clear that he's always been unhappy with that decision I think you can sort of tell I think there's something, there's an element to it that feels like it's missing. There's even kind of like a scene uh, near the end uh, where he comes out of the town hall or whatever it is and Fred Wolf is sat down Mm. and you can see him putting his dictaphone back in his pocket like he's just done a note to self. Mm. And they've obviously cut that. And so I feel like there is sort of an element to it that that is missing. Um, no, I, I agree, and like um, I'm just reading now, uh, one of the big things the studio made them get rid of was a uh, a revenge gag in which uh, they delivered donuts that had uh, been photographed around their genitals, which I can only imagine playing out like um, the scene in The Simpsons where Homer sends Mr. Burns a box of chocolates and he's eating the full and uh, the pictures at the bottom and I just picture all these people eating these donuts and then getting down to the bottom and seeing these uh, pictures of them around the genitals. Fun stuff. That's what they do in Van Wilder in the end. They do. It is in Van Wilder. It's um, it's it's semen-filled cream buns, right? It's disgusting. Dog semen-filled cream buns. Dog semen? Yeah, because yeah. the the joke in Van Wilder is they've got a dog with huge balls, uh. <laughs> and they get the that dog Van to Wilder. fuck. They get the dog to fuck all of these cream donuts, and then they send the cream donuts to the bad guys, 
and the bad guys eat all the cream donuts and all the cream isn't really cream it's sort of like really gooey and it's going everywhere and they're like reacting to it as if it's meant to be disgusting as opposed to it's meant to be cream and right. uh and then they find out that the there's a dog fucking all the cream donuts and they've eaten it all and then everyone throws up because they've just been eating dog semen Classic. and it's kind of like it's just this really disgusting scene in this really kind of like not i, I hate van wilder but um <laughs> i love van wilder too isn't that funny um i haven't seen van wilder no, no, I'm, I'm kidding no one's seen van wilder too <laughs> van wilder too that van wilder isn't him um yeah that van wilder isn't in um but i hated van wilder but like so i get that i think but, but isn't that weird that they cut this scene out of dirty work which sounds like a pg version of a joke that was in van wilder anyway i guess well i guess like so i think the studio for for the most part probably don't know what to do with a norm mcdonald comedy Mm. was um was billy madison r-rated i'm sure happy gilmore's pg-13 i think happy gil i think i think uh happy happy madison (laughs) well happy gilmore is a pg or maybe it's a 12 maybe it's a 12 yeah i think it's a 12 pg-13 film i mean he wasn't making adult movies. And I'm not saying that as an insult. I just mm. mean that a lot of his fans would have been teenage boys. And so he would have made films for teenage boys. No, I, I agree. And, uh, and I've just looked. Billy Madison had a PG-13. So did Happy Gilmore. I think the studio are probably very much looking at those movies as the sort of template they want dirty work to go. Mm. Um, it's a PG in the UK. What, Billy Madison? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it feels like it's sort of a kid's film. It is a kid's film. There's a clown in it. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. There's a clown. There are kids in it. <laughs> there are kids in it. Kids and clowns? PG. I That's really, why Joker was rated PG. The first time I watched Billy Madison, um, I, uh, I had a large packet of cheese and onion crisps. <laughs> and I watched it after school. And I started getting hot and ill. And then by the end of the film, I ended up with a liver infection. And um, oh, shit. I, I was in bed for two weeks with, with a fever. And I've always blamed Billy Madison for that. Um, <laughs> and I watched it again. It was on TV a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I watched it again. And, um, and it's better than again. I remember. It's just like, it's, if you're a Chris Farley fan, anytime you get a little snippet of Chris Farley, it, it is sort of a good day. And you will watch, it's the same, I guess it's the same as being a Norm MacDonald fan now. It's just like, like yeah. you, you'll get your Chris Farley fix or your Norm MacDonald fix, even if it means having to sit through uh, inferior work, you know, mm. something that, that they were better at. Have, have you sat through Almost Heroes? What's almost heroes? It's Chris Farley's uh, last film. Oh yeah, fuck, with, with, Dirty, with Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry, directed, directed by, by Christopher, Christopher Guest. Guest. Yeah, I've I've got it on DVD. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've got I've got every single Chris Farley film on DVD except for Coneheads. Actually, I don't have Coneheads. Um, He's good at Coneheads. Me, almost, yeah, but it's Coneheads. Jeez. 
It's like, you've got to do that voice for the whole film. You're going to do it for the whole film. Oh, my God. Um, oh, God. Um, yeah. Uh, Almost Heroes is not a good film. <laughs> Beverly Hills Ninja is not a good film. I haven't seen Beverly Hills Ninja since I was a kid, and I loved it as a kid. The best thing about Beverly Hills Ninja is the title. <laughs> I've got, like, a huge Beverly... I've got a Beverly Hills... <laughs> Ninja poster <laughs> framed in my living room. It's, it's, it's a great poster. It's a great Kung Fu. Amazing. <laughs> like Kung Fu. It, Beverly Hills Ninja is not a good film. Like he made one good film, basically. He was good in some other films, but he made Tommy Boy, and that is brilliant. And then Black yeah. Sheep, edited down, makes a really good trailer, but you don't need to see the film if you've seen the trailer. And then, I mean, he is great in all the cat. Like he's really good in his cameo in Wayne's World and Wayne's yeah. World too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, different characters. Mm. <laughs> he's he, he's very funny in Daddy Work. Like Jimmy No Nose is a good character. <laughs> he's great in he's great in Dirty Work. He's a highlight in Dirty Work. And um, yeah, like he's he's. <laughs> He's he's very funny. He's he's Jimmy Nono's and the bus driver from Billy Madison are essentially the same character. It's funny. Um, like, they're very that, good. And and what's really interesting about what? So I watched Dirty Work the other night, but I was very tired, and so I was just watching it again before mm. we started watching this. And what I found was interesting about it is that in Tommy Boy, he is so sweet and endearing and likable, and there is none of that evidence in his character in Dirty Work and none of that is in the character in Billy Madison and so it's kind of like you say, you know, he did one thing very well, Chris Farley did, but actually if you look at it there were variations on what he was doing and uh, Jimmy Nono's is not a likeable character, even though I suspect that Chris Farley was, you know Yeah, Mm. no, I get that completely um, I just remembered that John Goodman has a weird cameo in this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah he turns up right at the end, doesn't he? <laughs> just introduces the opera. It's sort of like... Nice, that. I guess that's probably like uh, Norm reaching back to his Roseanne days. Yeah, right. Um, but it's sort of like, why would you choose to write the opera sequence into this film? it feels feels like like, it feels like someone was just like we need you're a working class guy we need something that you can revolt against it's the opera opera (laughs) well maybe it's sort of like a reference to uh night at the opera by the marx brothers Mm. like maybe it's something that's sort of like this throwback to something else but it also almost feels like we've got uh a theater and the opera's in town. We could use them. Do you know it what I mean? It's like, yeah. need, All you get is like Jack Warden walking out. Well, so Jack Warden. So, um, so uh, Jack Warden was obviously in Problem Child and Problem Child Two. Mm. So, were the people that wrote that? But that was that. What they wrote? They did Screwed, not Dirty Work. They, but they were nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with this. So I would love to know, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's weird. <laughs> uh, I'd love to know why those two guys, like, we're going to make 
our only the only movie we're ever going to direct. Obviously, I don't know. It's the only one they're going to direct. What we who who is going to be our lead? It's got to be Norm Macdonald. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like I mean I love him in the movie. I think he's great. It just seems like such a wild swing that these two guys who um but people wanted him in their movie. Like um who was it? Uh, Milos Forman loved Norm Macdonald and wanted him to have like a big part in the People versus Larry Flint. That's right, oh. wasn't it Larry Flint? I'm not sure if he wanted him as Larry Flint, but I know he's got a role in The People vs. Larry Flint, but they wanted him to have a bigger one. And he's like, I'm, I'm not an actor. I, <laughs> I, I, from, I, saw the, I saw the same clip when Norm was explaining it, and it, from, it sounded like that Milos Forman wanted him to be Larry Flint. And then <laughs> he would have great. turned up and was just like, I can't act. And then he's like, okay, well, I'll give you another part then. But, and then um, he he pops up as well in in Milos Forman's Man on the Moon as 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 Michael Richards. Um, is Michael Richards in that? Why yeah. did get Michael Richards to be Michael Richards? No, <laughs> the the, uh, the whole Fridays cast is recast for that sequence. I know a lot of people are like like the same, but yeah, because it's also um. Uh, one of the aunts from Sabrina is in that sequence. Um, uh, but yeah, it's yeah. it's a weird little moment where Norm Macdonald plays Michael Richards, and I went because after he passed away, I watched the scene from Man on the Moon, and then watched the actual scene from um, from Fridays. It's weird, just like um, Norm Macdonald playing Michael Richards. Is it close? Do they do a good job? I, they do a pretty good job. It's like it's it's the bit that's the closest is when the director is chasing Andy Kaufman around the set, looking like he's going to punch him. What I don't understand about Man on the Moon is everyone going on about that. Like everyone that knew Andy Kaufman kept saying that it was like Jim Carrey was inhabiting Andy Kaufman. Like oh, Andy yeah, Kaufman yeah. was inhabiting Jim Carrey, right? Yeah. And when you actually look at them side by side. Like Jim Carrey's voice is too high. It's completely His different. Mannerisms are all over the place. Like it's it's terrible. It's it's not a good. It's not a good impression. It's you a good performance. I mean? It's not a good impression. And so I guess if he's going for a, a performance, fine. But uh, and and you know when you get impressionists that go into acting, you know the key to playing a real life person isn't to do an impersonation of them, but is to sort of try and inhabit them as a real person. But people Mm. were saying that Jim Carrey was Andy Kaufman. And when you look at them, it's not like, it's not that close. No, I know what you mean. I find that annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, Michael Richards is also not a dead ringer for Norm MacDonald. Um, so I guess they're not entirely going for mm. photorealistic. But no one is saying that when Norm Macdonald stepped on set, they had to be pinched because they thought it was... <laughs> no, that's whereas, true. Whereas Netflix Jim didn't make a whole documentary allowed, about it. Jim Carrey was allowed to have time with Andy Kaufman's family and uh, pretend to be their departed father. And, do you know what I mean? It was like... Yeah. It was like it's absolutely ins- it's in- insane. And then when you watch them next to each other, it's kind of like he doesn't sound anything like Andy Kaufman. It's weird. It's just like anyway, anyway. No, that's true. And like uh, the the Friday scene, actually, the biggest difference is I think in the film version, he's doing 
the Latka voice. And then when they when you watch it in uh, the actual Friday's clip, it's just Andy Kaufman being like, um, I, I, I don't know, I, 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 I can't, I, I can't play Stone. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty different. But yeah, it's um, it is weird that like, I think people, I mean, obviously the people just liked Norm. Mm. <laughs> people wanted to work with Norm, and I think outside of Screwed and uh, Dirty Work, where he ended up finding most sort of work is um, as a voiceover actor, um, which I think he just sort of did to keep getting paid so he could do but what he, he likes doing. <laughs> he was there. In uh, Family Guy, wasn't it? That's right, um, and he's in all five in... Doctor Doolittle movies as Lucky the Dog. Fuck me! <laughs> he was also in the Orville. He is in the Orville, yeah, and um, he's in a, a movie that I remember being promoted at Cannes while I was out in Cannes called um, Vampire Dog. <laughs> Where he plays oh. the, the titular vampire dog. <laughs> he's he's had an interesting little voiceover career but um yeah i, I find it interesting like his his two films they're not perfect by any means they are an interesting little slice. it's an interesting little slice of sort of american filmmaking at a time where they would just give like people a movie like if you were a mm. sort of noteworthy celebrity of some sort you would get a movie like well, dance, like Freddie got fingered, or um, yeah, that's art though. <laughs> that is art. Or Ringmaster starring Jerry Springer. Yes, but also yeah. I think Dirty Work is more coming off the back of like Saturday Night Live, yes. isn't it? And so, so he made did he make Dirty Work just after he got fired from Saturday Night Live? Yeah, because one of the big problems was they refused to promote Dirty Work on uh, NBC. Right. Which, so, uh, had so, so what you've got is you've got Wayne. Well, you had the Blues Brothers, and then there was a big gap, and then you had Wayne's World mm. at the beginning of the nineties. And mm. obviously, as you said before, Wayne's World had Chris Farley in, and so then you've got Coneheads came in, which had Adam Sandler and Chris Farley in. Spade is in Coneheads Spade as well. And Spade. And then so you had all these Lorne Michaels films. I guess Three Amigos was written by Lorne Michaels and mm. produced by Lorne Michaels. But you had all of these Saturday Night Live films. Um, you had It's Pat came out. And, um, and some of them were successful. Some of them weren't successful. But but when they hit, they hit really big. Night at the Roxbury came out about the same time as Dirty Work. Mm. Yeah. And Dirty Work is almost like whoever made it. Um, Norm MacDonald got fired from... Saturday Night Live for making too many O.J. Simpson jokes, basically. Yeah, mm. and so he became available. Was like, well, let's make a film, and it's almost like the production company were like, "We've got a guy from Saturday Night Live, but it's not affiliated with Saturday Night Live." Mm. So it's sort of like a Saturday Night Live rival project. It's a bit like when they made Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's MGM again. But they, so they rivaled uh, the whatever the uh, A View to a Kill or whatever the Roger Moore film was that came out yeah. at the same time. Um, so they've got like a Saturday Night Live star and a lot of Saturday Night Live uh, cast members, but it's not really a Saturday Night Live film. 
So uh, right, they, they, they scored big by getting Norm MacDonald. What's interesting about Norm MacDonald is that when you look at Chris Farley, he did a lot of sketches on Saturday Night Live and some of them were good, some of them were... They suffer, they suffer all of the problems that Saturday Night Live sketches have. Yeah. They're all five minutes, they take way too long, the joke runs out, and it's all about the journey rather than the destination. And if you know, there's never like a punchline that's that solid. And you've got um, you've got a few Chris Farley sketches that are just absolutely fantastic. Motivational uh, speakers. Matt Foley and yeah. motivational speakers. That first one specific, particularly, mm. but like, but Matt Foley is just an I, amazing. I live in a character. van down by the river. But when you see Chris Farley in Tommy Boy. It's kind of like it encapsulates everything that's amazing and wonderful and brilliant and beautiful about Chris Farley. He's so good in Tommy Boy, uh, and he's you see you see sort of like hints at how good he is in Saturday Night Live and in his other films and his cameos. But he's so good in Tommy Boy that you just like go. He only needs to make one film, and and he nailed it. He was so good in that. He's better in Tommy Boy than he is in almost anything else that he's ever done. Whereas with Norm MacDonald, he has this huge body of work that all of, he, he's better in his appearances on Conan O'Brien than he is in either of his films. Yes. No, well, that's, I think, and if you, I know his memoir isn't exactly uh, true, but I think there's moments of honesty in it. And he talks about how, he when he was on SNL, he hated doing sketches because what he really wanted to be doing was the uh, weekend update because he liked telling jokes rather than acting. And I, I think that's it. He's not he's not much of an actor. Um, he's fun and he's likable, but I think his main sort of output is his his stand up and the, and his delivery and his. Uh, he's not he's never going to be the leading like the the love interest in this film is so sort of like whatever and it's never going to be the main sort of thing that goes there we're never going to get to the point where like we really like we love norm but we we're not going to get to the point where we feel for him like we do for chris farley and tommy boy Mm -hmm. and He's he's not trying to be mm, no 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 not at all that character he's sort of like distanced from everything and he's sort of he's just this um he's this really he's like a mischief maker and he shouldn't be he shouldn't have any dramatic scene like what was it so if you watch Police Academy five okay and <laughs> Mahoney's not in it anymore. Mahoney's gone off in a hot air balloon with Sharon Stone at the end of Police Academy Four, so they don't have a straight guy, so they have to they have to like divide all of the straight guy bits amongst the rest of the team. Is this right? assignment Mi- Miami Beach? This is assignment Miami Beach, and so you've got this <laughs> scene where where Jonesy, uh, uh, Michael Winslow, is that his name? Yeah. Um, Michael Wincott is the guy of Gisborne in Prince of Thieves and Michael Winslow is Jonesy in Police Academy, right? <laughs> and you've got this bit where Jonesy has to deliver this bit, which is like, it's too dramatic. He can't handle it. You know, he can do the voices and he can do the sound effects, 
but he can't do like emotional kind of like monologues where he's got to go, come on guys, we've got to keep the police academy going or whatever he says, you know? And it's kind of like, uh, Norm MacDonald is like this foil where you'll see all of these people doing other stuff. You put him on a chat show and he'll deconstruct the other guests and do the chat show and what it is to be a chat show guest. I mean, him on the Courtney Fawn Smith one is the uh, is the perfect one for that. Is that the carrot top one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the film called? It's going to be called Box Office Poison. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but did you? I mean, I mean, God, fucking hell! I mean, Carrot Top was doing a Las Vegas show and he found out about um, Norm Macdonald and he showed the clip. Of him destroying him on uh, on um, the Conan O'Brien yeah. show, and he showed a clip when he found, you know, obviously he found out in the day. He went on and he did the show, and then he showed the clip of him being destroyed. You know, fair enough, good for you. Um, I mean, chairman of the board actually kind of fits into my thing of like, you just give people a movie back in the nineties if you're it's, relative it's male. People, it's people trying to replicate the Saturday Night Live formula yeah. and failing. Chairman mm. of the board is. Josh, think, have you seen of the, Chairman of the Board? No, I'm chairman, just agreeing. Chairman <laughs> of the yes. board. Chairman of the board is sort of like um, it's it's almost the same plot as Tommy Boy, and it's got like the same things. But instead of Bo Derek, they've got Raquel Welch, um, and and I think what Chairman of the Board is it was written for someone else. I think it was written to be about like a stoner, like a surf dude who gets stoned. And then they got Carrot Top. Carrot top. <laughs> and he's not a stoner. He's sort of like this manic uh, prop comedian. So what they did was they didn't rewrite it that much, but they just added an element, which was that he's an inventor. So you kind of like go, <laughs> right. So it's about this guy that surfs all day who inherits his dad's business. So he's a slacker, right? But he's also this inventor that's coming up with these crazy inventions. So you go, well, he's not lazy then, is he? He's just working really hard in the in the wrong in the wrong area. So either he's this chilled out surf dude, or he's this crazy inventor. But he's not both. He can't be both. And the film tries to play it like it's both. When in actual fact, you go, you've just tried to shoehorn Carrot Top's special skill of being a prop comedian mm. into this film that you've got about this chilled out surf dude and it doesn't work. It's, it's, if you can watch that in a double bill with Master of Disguise. What um, a day. Josh, can you do me a favor and just look up the poster for Chairman of the Board? I've yeah, I've done it. Oh, <laughs> I've done it. It's, it looks it's great. Stuff, man. It looks like something we could cover. It's just absolutely <laughs> appalling. Um, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think there's it, Norm's film career is definitely it's not it's not the greatest thing in the world, but what? Yeah, I agree completely. Like he his um his sta- his stand up and his talk show appearances are what we will end up remembering him for. I but I do think it's interesting to get these late level slices of the films. I think that that's really rare, though, right? Uh, the fact that, you know, when he talks about, when Conan O'Brien's talking about the moth joke and he had um, a seven-minute 
uh, window on Conan O'Brien, and he prepared for that seven minutes. He did the seven minutes, and he prepared for it, and he made it as funny as he could, and it was a standout moment on that show. And then he and then he had to do some more after the break. I think he treated all of those appearances not like he's on promoting a book and he's just plugging a thing and he's just filling up time. He treated it like that was his job. And I think that there's so much, we're very lucky because there's so much amazing, you know, um, there, you get comedians that are promoting their special and they may go on to um, a chat show and they may do sort of like an excerpt from their special that is posed as a, a Q&A. Like they get asked a question which sets up a bit of material. They do a bit of material and they're promoting a stand-up special. But, um, uh, and you kind of like go, fine, it's just sales, isn't it? But Norm Macdonald treated everything like it was, uh, it, it was part of his body of work. And we're really lucky to have kind of like, that much we've got like three decades of norm mcdonald uh, that was bringing his a-game to all this stuff and I, rather than go like his films aren't as good as his stand-up what we've got is we've got these wonderful sort of companion pieces mm. that go that, that run parallel to that where you go do you know what it's not really that sad that norm mcdonald didn't get more films you know because we've got mm. so much, he did so many other things. He made a couple of films where he was the star. They're okay. Yeah. And I love them a lot more from watching his stand-up and then going back and watching them. Um, but um, but they, they, do, they do the job and, and, and they're great. But he was, his, his skills were much better utilised in other places and in sort of like cameos and guest, and, and guest roles. Um, really? Uh, I like I like Dirty Work and I really like Screwed and um, I don't think Dirty Work is aged that great and there are bits that you have to ignore or forgive mm. but when it works it's really great. Um, I, uh, I, I, I agree. I've got like a list of things I, I found uh, very fun in the movie. Um, just just going to do a quick I just loved uh, the scene where Norm is sleeping in his car. He's wearing like um, yeah. an old Rip Van Winkle style nightgown and sleeping yeah. cap. Love that. That was incredible, especially as I've been considering getting one myself. <laughs> just just as the night's drawing, it gets a bit colder. I was like, finally, some representation. What do you type into Amazon to buy yourself one of those? Uh, screw chat. <laughs> screw, that's what I've tried. It's not uh, coming yet. But sleeping outfit. Sleepy hat. What other bits do you like? Um, I I love, I really love Jim Downey as the homeless man who sort of goes on uh, little monologues that then sort of like go nowhere and people just disappear from him while he's speaking on them. I also loved how the homeless men are dressed in this movie because they are so brightly coloured, along with like Norm's costumes <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the like Jim Down. He's wearing like this bright red like shirt, and Fred Wolf is like in this like green suit. They look like they've walked off like a Bo Welch movie. Um... I've got to say that there's there's the beginning of Billy Madison and Dirty Work. Uh, I can't even now, and I've seen them both recently. 
I can't tell you which of them is the film that has the bag of dog shit in it. That's uh, Billy Madison. Billy Madison, yeah. Billy Madison, right. But it could be either one. You're <laughs> it right. could be it either one. It could be either one, because he's almost wearing the same costume, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, oh I like... <laughs> uh, I like that they're found out at one point by leaving a trail of popcorn. <laughs> that was the, that's incredible. <laughs> It's really, really stupid. Um, I don't know why I found shaving uh, the bearded lady, Rebecca Romaine, as the bearded lady. I found that quite funny. There's mm. the revenge to get on her is just to shave her. Yeah. Um, and then the guy is scrubbing out bearded. Yes. There's also the bit where uh, Norm is talking to the guy that's threatening him, and he goes, I'm going to punch you in the stomach. And he goes, oh, that's not my department. That's his department. <laughs> And then Artie Lang just turns around and goes, yeah, 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 that's my department. <laughs> he hasn't been listening. And then does he get punched later? He does is get it, punched later. It comes back. It's his department, yeah. I like um, I like the gag. I think this is a gag that's in the trailer as well, of just um, uh, them, uh, Artie Lang being like, oh, movie line, and ends up like getting his ass out to like show the uh, that's brilliant. movie line with the, with the car. And Norm just parks the car right in front of the cinema. <laughs> And and then he gets up and he pulls his trousers up and he does his buttons and his belt up and he just says sort of like really matter of factly like oh he was meant to keep driving yeah <laughs> <laughs> like everyone knew everyone gets it we all get it but um but there's that's sort of like a moment of subtlety you know yeah like this is it like it, there are little moments like that like. Oh. Liked the Jack Warden rent, uh, uh, read uh, "Impotent Old Men and Whores" magazine. Um, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's a good, good thing. Um, I like when Norm's uh, girlfriend is uh, um, keeping all the stuff she's paid for. He just yells, "But I paid for the popcorn machine!" She throws that out the window. Of just like of all the things he would have had, he has a popcorn machine. Oh my god, big laugh for me. <laughs> Comes back later. Yeah, like. <laughs> Oh, and the locket picture that Jack Warden has of um of Norm Macdonald's uh mum, which is just um him having sex with her in the locket. <laughs> it's for proof that he's his dad. There's <laughs> a picture of him sort of uh impregnating her. Um It's very it's weird. Like, there's like cameos from all of Chris Farley's brothers in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, which is it's so weird because when you spot one, it's sort of like impossible not to see him after that. You kind of go, "Oh my god, he looks a bit like Chris Farley." <laughs> he's he's either taller or um, or there's the other brother who's kind of like uh, it, is it the other brother who went off to be very right wing. <laughs> yeah, what was Kev, Kevin Farley? What was mm. the film that they made? With, um, um, uh, an American Carol renamed American over here. Carol. My big fat important movie. Wow, American <laughs> Carol! What a film! Um, Have you seen it? I've seen the trailer many a time. <laughs> many times. It. It's where he's it. playing like a, a Michael Moore type, and he gets shown through like the ghosts of pattern played by like by Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer like showed like how great America really is from like the past, the present and the future. And it's then just, he yeah, realizes just... that right being right wing is good. This isn't yeah. real. 
he's a left wing he's a loony left wing uh, documentary maker yeah. exactly like Michael Moore gets visited by three ghosts and taught how to be right wing amazing directed by one of the directors of Airplane um, wow it's the one thing that's like stopped me from suggesting we do like a Zucker Abrams Zucker series where we cover everything they've done because I just don't know if I can sit down and watch that one no <laughs> I would. I think it would lead to a good discussion. Be a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um. I. Uh, oh God. I'm trying to see if there's anything else I've got listed. Oh, I. I really enjoyed the um Sandler cameoing as the devil. Yeah. In nice. this like little prequel to Little Nicky. I was gonna say, do you reckon this is where it comes from? <laughs> no. He gets in the makeup and he's Nicky. like, "Yes, I love this." I said it before. Yeah. I think Little Nicky is like was Sandler's big passion project. Mm. You think? The, it was the film debut of Whitey, his most beloved character. That's true. Do you, do you, do you think? It's such a weird one, isn't it? It's, it yeah. But it's the one that, you know, it's the one he makes. It's the first film he makes with his own studio. Right. His it's own production company. It's got a cameo company. from Chubbs in it. It's got a cameo from Chubbs in it. I feel like it's probably like a character he probably really wanted to do on SNL. I I can I feel like it's something that would have come from there. It's and got then, Quentin Tarantino in it. It's got Tarantino. It's got Rodney it's, Dangerfield in it. It's one of the biggest budgets he'd ever worked with, and it bombed horribly. Mm. Well, it's awful. It, it's <laughs> not a good movie. Though so, um, me and Josh might go to the Popeye's Chicken that's opening in Stratford. To, oh, yeah, uh, of course. It, it, it does have that. It does have that. Uh, I mean, I, I went to New York and I went to Popeye's Chicken specifically because of Little Nicky. That's Same. how I know about Popeye's Chicken. And do you know what? Popeye's Chicken is brilliant. Popeye's Chicken is fucking awesome. Me and my girlfriend at the time, we went to, for Popeye's Chicken uh, and then... Uh, we ate the Popeye's chicken. It's really crispy. The coating is really crispy, unlike KFC, where it's a bit soggy. The crispy chicken is really crispy at Popeye's chicken. So we ate at Popeye's chicken, and then we went over to Toys R Us uh, and Times Square, and we both nearly shat ourselves. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, Josh, this is going to be a great episode. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Popeye's chicken is dangerous. <laughs> well, little Nicky also has Laura Haring from... Um... Uh, oh my god, Marlon Drive. Um, Shit, true. It's got an amazing cast. Little Nicky's got an amazing. It's got. Uh, is it the first appearance of Henry Winkler in an Adam Sandler movie? I think no, no. Waterboy is. He was in Waterboy already. Mm, yeah. uh, who's the, what's the other? Um, it's got John Lovitz in it right at the beginning. It does spying yeah. on Laura Harring. Uh, it's got he, um the same character from uh, the Wedding Singer. They play Ladies' Night when he appears. No, it's, he's it's playing not the peeper, right? Yeah, he's playing the peeper, which is one of uh, Adam Sandler's like comedy bits from his album. Right. Um, I, I, it's also got like the best um, uh, Peter Dante and Jonathan Loughran, uh performances for my money. Uh, they're up there. <laughs> they're really fun as the two metalheads. Yeah, good, good. I mean, they're my favorite characters in that whole movie. Um, but yeah, which like is, which is which is which? I because I really like whichever one. I oh, an underrated classic would be. Uh, guess what I'm going to say? <laughs> There's uh... so many. Um, 
what have we watched? <laughs> I, I Grandma's a, boy. I, I would say a film that got a lot of hate when it came out was Mr. Deeds. Mm. Josh liked Mr. Deeds more than I did. I liked Mr. Deeds, yeah. And what I would say about it is, if it wasn't a remake of Frank Capra, <laughs> it would be regarded as one of Adam Sandler's best films. Mm. I really love Mr. Deeds. I think that it's one of like it, it really shows off his surreal sense of humor in a way that a lot of his other films don't. See, that was my thing. I don't think it did it enough. I wanted more. And I also I think, think it had a really lame villain in Peter Gallagher. I think they needed oh, better and Maybe, but you also had uh, you also had um Jared Harris in it as well. I didn't like Jared Harris in it. <laughs> I was like, it was just really weird. That it's Jared you've, got, you've got two bad guys in it, right? I liked um, Eric Avari. I liked Peter Gallagher in it. Um, and I think the fact that there's only sort of like, there's like three or four moments where it's really surreal. I think that that's what makes it funny because like when all of the crew starts singing, the crew on the plane starts singing David Bowie. It's like just that. Kind of like, that comes out of nowhere. You're like, where the fuck did that come from? Or when all of the servants come out and they do this sort of, the, the call of the wild. It's kind of like, that's incredible. Win- and, and... Winchesterton Fieldville existing is fun. Yeah, also good. Um, Big fan but, of. His, but then oh, it's just John like McEnroe jumping over a car. It's just like stuff like when like Sana goes to play tennis, or like it's the scenes that they also just lift straight from the Capra movie. Mm. You know, I'm just like, no, don't need this. Don't need the scene where he's like out for dinner with Winona Ryder and uh, he beats I've up never everybody. Seen it. I've never seen the original. <laughs> I only know. I watched. This- the Washington from the Adam Sandler movie Mr. Deeds. I watched uh, I watched both of them when we did this episode on Mr. Deeds. <laughs> We're trying to watch like if it's a remake, trying to watch the original. Oh, I think I only did it once. <laughs> well, um, I would say Anger Management is a film that just doesn't just doesn't do what it says it was gonna do. It's not well. It, I tell you what, it does. It makes Josh cry. It does make me cry. That's Why? true. I can't remember what happened. <laughs> oh, I cried. Yeah, I cried. Giuliani stands up. Yeah, I end. cried because you know Giuliani is our greatest mayor. Because he's such and a hero. <laughs> he's such a hero. He stopped nine eleven. I was watching Seinfeld the other day, and Giuliani popped up, and I'm just like, oh, oh it's man, my favorite Happy again. Madison cast. Yeah. <laughs> Get on, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, he should he should come back in one of these movies. I hope he's in Hustle. So what's Hustle? Hustle is Sandler's new movie, which I think is his attempt at doing another serious movie, but one that he produces. Right. And it's like a, it's a basketball drama. Right. With him and Queen Latifah and Robert Duvall. Okay. I'm interested. It looks I'll like something. <laughs> um, I'll be there. Sandler loves basketball, and according to Shaquille O'Neal, Sandler has real chops as a basketball player. Very <laughs> good. Like he did, there's like clips of him on YouTube, and yeah, uh, like, I saw him sinking a shot the other day. Yeah, he's great. I, I and his um and Adam Sandler's Netflix special is the best comedy special I've ever seen. We had uh, Suze Kempner on to talk about it. He's absolutely amazing. I, 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 I saw that. I mean, I saw it 10 times in 
you know, six months. I love it. I think it's so good. It's very um, charming. Mm. Yeah, the plot for Hustle is a former basketball scout tries to remake his career by bringing a player from overseas to play in the NBA. Well, I'd say it's like the most exciting plot for me in the world. But... Uh, but it doesn't have to be like Blended didn't sound good until you sat down and watched it though, right? I don't know. <laughs> blended is not <laughs> Blended still doesn't sound very good to me. I watched I watched Blended on a plane and I cried during that. <laughs> oh. I thought, yeah, but that's on a plane. That's not fact yeah, it's just, it's not, we should have we should have got we should have got you on for blended. Yeah. Not real world tears, <laughs> but like but like plain tears, definitely. Mm-hmm. I did try during that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um I think we else to say about dirty work. Oh I like I actually like Norm chastising his sodomizers in uh in prison. That's it's brilliant. <laughs> Where he just goes so far without it's saying. saying it's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous! <laughs> uh, I just yeah, I like the idea of him just uh, shouting. Oh, and I like the shot of Norman Artie just holding fish while the mob fight is going on. Next. That, bit, that bit is my favourite bit in the film. It's I... the bit when they hide fish all over the place, and then there's this brutal massacre after holding the fish for ages. It just goes on for ages. I would agree that that was my absolute favorite part of the movie. Just like, and because I make meticulous notes of when I laugh. Yeah, 0.5 laugh, Norman is pal. I didn't learn Artie Lang's name until just now. 0.5 laugh, Norman is pal reacting when they cause the shootout with the cake, coke, de- cake dealers, coke dealers by covering the house in fish. One laugh, it continuing. One laugh, it continuing. Yeah. <laughs> Taking my chainsaw and now he's such a long it. time. Yeah. It's so good. It's shouting fun. out in the background. Yeah, it's so oh, good. Yeah. Like just describing what's happening, and even just the, the way massacre. that when when they leave as well is really fun. <laughs> just oh, it's it's good. I enjoy it. Yeah, so the thing is, like, I think I laugh more in this than I have in like a lot of the movies we've covered. Which I think it does help that you know we've watched so many of these movies that it makes it feel. Even better to me. I, w- I, I was looking at my letterboxed list that is ranking all the Happy Madisons in order of laughs. This would come number eight. Okay. Just behind that's my boy. <laughs> and ahead of Paul Blart Moore Cut one. So, so what's your number one and what's your... So what's your... your I don't know how many there are. How many are there? Uh, this... we've, we've done 45. <laughs> yeah. So what's number one and what's last? Uh, Josh from, ranks it on uh, amount yeah. he's laughed. I rank it on amount I've actually enjoyed the movie, yeah. which is which is the same way <laughs> of judging it. Yes, yes. So my number one with twenty six point five laughs is Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. Fuck! <laughs> Fuck! Fuck yeah. you, Josh! Oh my god! <laughs> I see hell. you and Nick. Are, you. You and uh, you and Jack are agreeing. Oh, you fucking yeah, cunt! Jesus <laughs> yeah, Paul Blart Mall Cop Two for for, for comparison. Paul Blart Mall Cop Two is my twenty sixth highest rated. On Listen to the episode; it's all in context. Oh fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> this is that, this is exactly my reaction. That's your favorite. 
that's your favourite. Favorite. That's, that's better favorite, than that's yeah. my boy. That's better than Mr. Deeds. Yeah. Poor Blood yeah. Cop too. Yeah, it's a good one. What's your worst <laughs> one then? Uh, Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt, Zero Laughs. The first one? Yeah, the first one, yeah. Zero, I think Joe nothing. Dirt, I think it's such a sweet film. Mm. But it, it, it's not, it might, I, think it, I think it does have some laughs. You didn't even find the bit when uh, <laughs> Kid Rock sprays him with gravel and then he says, I'm cool. And then Kid Rock says, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like the best line in it. Well, of all the it. things you could have picked from that movie, really. I, I would rather just David Spade just being like, I got poo on me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was quite good. Now I think about it. I, um, like, I think it's such a sweet film. It's not necessarily <laughs> the funniest, but it's really sweet. I don't, I don't like the Joe Dirt movie mm. or don't, the sequel. <laughs> I mean, don't you lump them in together. Joe Dirt 2 is not part of the same universe as Joe Dirt. <laughs> No, oh, it shares similar scenes when they it's time funny. travels back to the first movie. I can't believe how cheap it looks. It is just so horrible. It's a film. very bad movie. Um, my my number one is Funny People. Yeah, which is the the one of these films that I'm just like it's an actual film. Um, and my bottom is Joe Dirt too. But just yeah. above that is I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Mm. Yeah, I think. But if it was just Sandler films, if it was just Sandler, it would be yeah. The best is Funny People, and the worst is I now pronounce each other. I don't, I don't count Funny People as a as an Adam Sandler film. <laughs> then, my, then my number one is um, is uh, it's a tie between Fifty First Dates and That's My Boy. I cannot believe it's not Grown Ups too. I, I might have to rewatch Grown Ups too then. Oh, it's fucking great. Grown Ups too is my number nine. Mm. And the, and I think also one that I, I I feel like I should place higher. I do love the House Bunny. My house Bunny's two. brilliant. I think House Bunny was really good. And um and and what I will say is that um, Adam Sandler gets a lot of criticism about making films with his friends, but why wouldn't you? I think he's just. I think. I think. A lot of his films, just like he shows that he's incredibly loyal. He's also got like a track uh, record of working with fe- uh, having like a female co-star who has just come out of something that is almost career ending. So he got like Katie Holmes after she divorced Tom Cruise and he worked with Jennifer Aniston after she Like Jack and Jill did not help her career too no. much. It doesn't mean he's not helping her career, he's getting her working again. That's and I true. Think that, that was, I think that that's a really, that shows a real kindness, do you know what I mean? And he worked with Jennifer uh, Aniston, Winona Ryder, he kind of like made her a lead in uh, Mr. Yeah. After, the, uh, after the shoplifting thing. And it's kind of like, you know, I think he comes across as a, as a good guy Oh, 100%. I think Sandler, everything that has been said about Sandler has always been positive. Um, he he comes across really well. I think some of his friends are the ones who don't come across great, like yeah. Alan Cover, Rob Schneider. Um, I mean, even, you know. Real Rob is just a piece of shit. But even who were you going to say? You're going to say Spade. Well, even even Spade, yeah. Spade does. Mm. Spade, Spade's weird Netflix comeback fascinates me. 
I think Spade's like, cleaned his act up a lot. He's like a lot less douchey these days. Yeah. Mm. But I think there's douchiness in his past. Maybe. I don't know. Like I like Sandler. I I I think he's great. And but my favorite of all is Norm. So bring it back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's the one. He's the one I always want. I'm happy to watch more and more of, and and the one I'm happiest to show up. Yeah, good call. I, nice. I agree. And I think we would all agree in saying that our MVP would be Norm Macdonald. This feels only our, fair. Our, oh, most, our most vertical primate. Yes, Norm Macdonald. I can't believe no one's made that joke yet. No, I didn't <laughs> actually go for Norm Macdonald. Oh, who was your MVP, Josh? It was the stunt team. Cool. <laughs> it was the stunt team because I really loved, as you know, I love physical violence comedy. I really loved all the scenes of Norm getting thrown out of things. There was some good Norm. I, I oh, thrown that. into dumpsters, oh my thrown God, out the of buildings. Bit where he gets like thrown out of the building and Artie just casually walks out. Yeah, just out. walks out. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good gag. But like, doesn't like the beginning? Doesn't that feel very much like Tommy Boy? Yeah, it does. Uh, Josh, Josh, have you, you never seen Tommy Boy? No, I haven't ever seen. You were in for such a fucking treat. <laughs> I really want to do an episode of Tommy Boy. Films. It's better than any of these films. It's like yeah. it's, it's not a Happy Madison film. It's just it's just a really good film mm. and. It's just funny. Fuck me, it's good. I'm starting um, to think. But Norm Macdonald is it. better. But but not as a film star, as kind of like a human. Nick, have you mm. have you listened to the Sandusky Ohio album by uh, Dave Paulson? No. It's just a really nice album inspired by Tommy Boy. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like a comedy album or anything. It's just a really nice sort of like almost kind of like folky music. Yeah. Um Tommy Tommy Boy uh, Tommy Boy has like real emotional depth to it. And there's uh, there's scenes in it that make me cry. There's I mean but also they fold in so many ideas from Saturday Night Live that they both had. But there's just like loads of classic themes and Chris Farley's brilliant, David Spade is brilliant, Brian Dennehy's brilliant, Rob Lowe is brilliant. Dan Aykroyd's great. Dan Aykroyd's fucking great in it. And also it's saying a thing. It's sort of like it's it, you know, in, in the world of uh, Donald Trump, mm. you know, it's it's saying a thing about um uh about the way that people use TV to manipulate people. And you've got Dan Aykroyd, who's trying to close down all of these um, uh, factories. These factories, and he's pretending to be one of you know one of the people. And it's kind of like um, uh, you, you look at it, and it's kind of like an anti-capitalist film in a way. It's sort of like this. It's it's such a good film. I'm gonna yeah, I, I I love it, and I really actually I'm gonna promote like go to uh, people should go to Sandusky O. That's sanduskyoh.co and listen to this very nice album inspired by Tommy Boy. It's really, it's really sweet. And uh, it's written by one of the guys who used to write on Norm Sitcom. Um, oh, that's nice. Very yeah. good. Um, well, I've learned something there. I've learned. Thank you. Uh, does anyone, do we have LVPs for this? Did anyone pick an LVP? Mm. 
Yeah. What's your LVP, Josh? Cancer. I agree. It came up on... That was also the LVP for... <laughs> you seem like really reticent about saying it. Yeah, because it... <laughs> I was like, I yeah, agree like, with oh. it, but yeah, like... Well, it was the yeah. LVP for, um, what was <clears throat> it? For the do-over. The do-over, yeah. Because these, that's a plot point. But, you know, for like, in general, it's affected, obviously, people I love and care about. But also, I feel like it's taken this person away who I didn't really know. I don't have that relationship with Norm MacDonald mm. in the way that both of you do. And it feels like I will never be able to have that relationship if you see what i mean that's like, very sad i'm can, sure you could no but i can i can get that relationship but it will only be posthumous it will only be looking back there's nothing sure. new mm, for me sure. to discover but then there's like, everything, everything is new to you yeah that's and true not, i don't i don't envy you um like it certainly watching his stuff now it's sort of tinged with sadness because you kind of like it you watch it and he's being cheeky and you think he's in the world somewhere being cheeky. Yeah. And now, and now when you watch it, it's like, God, this guy was cheeky. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's it, I like, I'm, I, it, I felt, I didn't articulate it very well, but I felt his loss more than any other kind of like, you said um, this to me when I messaged you for the first time. Oh uh, yeah, like it, it's it's it it felt really personal, and um, and I am a comedian, and um, there is some there was some sort of like one in a million chance of our paths crossing at some point within my career, mm. and I, I, it's, it, do you know what I mean? It's like. Oh God, he was just absolutely wonderful, and oh, um, I, the world is the world is worse off for not having him in it. I completely get that. I felt very honoured when he followed me on Twitter. I kind of freaked out a little, um, just because I was just like, "Oh my God, it's Dom fucking McDonald." Someone I just crazy. respect so much. Why did he um, follow you? I have no clue. <laughs> you didn't, he must have tweeted him or something. He didn't just. He must have of... like at mentioned him or something. Like, I can't remember what it was. I think it was because I think I, I watched his sitcom not too long ago. I probably tweeted something about it, and mm. then I just got like a like Norm Macdonald has started following you. <laughs> I was like, that's very strange. That's nice. And yet, me who repeatedly tweets Kevin James asking when Paul Blart More Cop Three is coming out, he's never fucking engaged with me. No follow. You know? Maybe it's for the best. <laughs> Maybe it's for the best. But it just shows the difference in character, I feel. You say one nice thing about this man, he follows you. That's right. He, he That's wanted great. to surround himself with the people who loved him. People who loved I, him. What I would say is since, since, um, since he died, um, I have been YouTubing him a lot. And there's so much good stuff out there. Mm. One of the things that I saw recently that I hadn't seen before was um i don't know how to describe the joke without giving it giving it away there's a there's a youtube clip called untitled joke <laughs> or norm set tells untitled joke and i think that was that's up there with the moth joke and the bob saget roast if not the funniest thing that's out there but it, that is such a great 
like four minutes on youtube it's brilliant mm. so. have to go look it up i'm excited yeah, i'm gonna check it out <laughs> um nick as we wrap up is there anything you'd like to plug um when's this coming out uh this should be out wednesday yeah well, right. Next well wednesday. i've got I've got a load of uh, dates coming up at the Soho Theatre for some work in progress. And then uh, that's in October, November. And then at the end of November, I'm doing my uh, horror musical, B-movie, comedy, musical, horror, pastiche, musical thing. This sounds very much up my street. It's called I Think You Think. And uh, it's really good. It's the best thing I've ever done. I've been doing it um for i wrote i i i wrote it in 2008 so it's our 13th anniversary so i'm doing it again uh, and we've got the soho theater so it's brilliant fantastic so I'm doing. um and of course people can follow you on the twitters and follow me on twitter but i'm really i really do enjoy instagram a lot more perfect nice nice josh how can people find you Oh, yeah. If people want to find me, they can uh, at P-A-P-S-B-Y, at P-A-P-S-B-Y. That's at Papsby. Uh, I can't be by if rhymes with um, Titanic. And that's on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd. And that's about it. How about you, Jack? Uh, you can follow me across various platforms under the name uh, JFG in Digital 3D. And you, like, you can find me on platforms like... Uh, uh, suffer more uh, yeah. uh traffic cops yeah uh squeezums yeah and uh amputate this <laughs> yeah, <good>. uh, they're <laughs> all my they're, they're the ones i really hang out on mm. um uh but yeah jft and digital 3d across Beautiful. most platforms uh and josh how can people interact with the show if they so want to oh if they want to interact with the show it's very easy just search at true hat mad at true hat mad on uh, instagram or twitter you can also send us an email true hat mad at gmail.com um and wherever you're listening to this please leave us a rating and a review we'll read out any lovely reviews that we get and if you're rating us uh remember five stars is good six stars is better seven eight nine mm-hmm <laughs> Um, yeah, and so, you know, this wraps up. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. It's yeah, been a real so pleasure. Much, it's lovely chatting um, all these weird movies. We, it felt effortless, but we have been talking for two hours, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and we could go on for more, I'm There's sure. No time, you know no time. But I won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, we also talked, like, before we started recording as well. So, like... I, I, but what I will say is, I genuine uh, what what we haven't said, and what I, what we haven't said in this episode, you probably said it in another episode. The interesting thing about Adam Sandler is that if you're not an Adam Sandler fan, all of his films are awful. Yeah. Yeah. If you are an Adam Sandler fan, I think half of his films are awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 being a fan isn't to just be like I. Uh, blindly follow Adam Sandler to the ends of the uh, ends of the earth. I think if you say that Adam Sandler 
in the reviews when you when he's being reviewed if every review is telling him he's shit and he's lazy and there's all this stuff there's n it doesn't give him the incentive to try yeah and mm. i think i think he is hit and miss some of his films are awful and i can say that because i love him right but some of his films are brilliant and um and those are the what i always think of adam sandler like he's like um He's like a shit football team, and he's like, it, it's, it's your hometown, and you <laughs> yeah. always want him to win. And when he does stuff like the Netflix special, it's like he's won the premiership, yeah? <laughs> but when, uh, and I don't follow football, so I don't know really what I'm talking about, but it feels like, you know, you've, if, if, you, if you support Man City, it's like he's won the World Cup. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and when he doesn't do a good film, it's kind of like, oh, God, that's not so good. But even stuff like Ridiculous Six, when you rewatch it, they're sort of like interesting to analyse it because I don't think he's lazy. I just think that um, I don't know what to think when it doesn't work. But when it's good, it's great. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> But I don't, I don't think that being an Adam Sandler fan means that you can't be critical. No, I, I think that's what this show has more than proved. Yeah, um, both love him. Great both idea him. for a show, guys. I think you've Thank done a you. really great idea for a show. And yeah. I wish I'd known earlier because I would have loved to have been a guest. And if you ever need me to be a guest in a future episode, I will gladly come back. I, I mean, if you that. if you really want to talk, Mr. Bean's holiday. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mr. Bean's holiday. Yeah. Secret Happy Madison production. That. Oh, okay. Nobody you and the audience, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um All right, well, thanks everyone for listening. We will return next week with a commentary on Happy Gilmore. Heck yeah. And uh yeah. Uh I think uh it's time to wrap things up. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining. Josh, for pleasure me. as always. Oh, and, thanks, and and as always, I played this a second ago, but here it is again. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good stuff, folks. Madison uh, Productions Wikipedia. Oh. I forgot they did Master of Disguise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never oh, forget that. Me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Can we just talk about that very briefly? We can talk about Master of Disguise very briefly. I, I, like, I love that we're recording this. I, I think we should put this as a post credits thing. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Well, I just like. So, <laughs> So you've seen Master of Disguise. Have you both seen Master? You've, you've done an episode of Master of Disguise. We, we did a whole episode. Us and uh, Eddie Hurst did an episode of Master of Disguise. Yeah. So I, I watched it uh, maybe about three weeks ago. Again, 
I own it on DVD. But I think I bought it off Amazon because I don't use any of my DVDs anymore. I just stream stuff. Mm. And you know the September 11th thing? About <laughs> I was going to say, did you watch it in in memoriam? In memoriam of September 11th. Yeah, 20 it's years. Sort of like, it's a, it's a while September 11th was happening. Dana Carvey was sat in the makeup chair. <laughs> Like he would have had to get up at four o'clock in the morning to do yeah, that. Yeah, but so my friend sent me an article saying that this actually isn't true. What? A what? <laughs> Apparently it's like an urban legend. And I was reading this article and I stopped reading it and I sent my friend back a message saying, I'd like to believe the beautiful lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the Matrix well, is they... telling my brain this is steak. Oh, yeah. I was going to quote Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, because he would have had to get up so early in the morning because it's the it's the scene when he's dressed up as a turtle, mm. Mm. and so he that's the one with the most prosthetics. And while he's in the turtle suit, like the planes are hitting the World Trade Centers, and they must have watched that on TV. And then, like, is there a point where they're kind of like because Adam Sanders obviously is the executive producer. Mm. Sanders so, like you got to carry on. I'm busy here consulting on. Giuliani. We've rented out the we've rented out the Turtle Club and we've only got it for the morning. So you, <laughs> you're going to have to go ahead and keep filming. Like, do you know what I mean? It's sort of like what was. But if it's not true, then that's it's very it's, sad to find out that it wasn't. It's like the uh, the thing it was saying was like this was the location was in L.A. And with the time difference between LA and New York, there's no way they would have been filming this at the same time that the planes were hitting. Um, okay. It just, it's, I, I can't remember. I, I can dig up the article and send it it's to like, you. It's like two hours either way, right? I'm not sure. So they weren't saying that they were necessarily filming on set during during the planes hitting. They were saying that September 11th was the day that they filmed the Turtle Club sequence, mm. which means that mm. Dana Carvey would have been up really early in the morning. So even with his... So what's LA? Is that ahead or behind? But it's only like two hours. It's like three, three or four hours behind, is it? I think. Right. I'm not sure. So the article is on Defector at the Movies. Right. Um, this year marks the 20th anniversary, as you're no doubt fully aware especially this week, of the making of The Master of Disguise. Um, <laughs> it's like one to... of the few films I've ever seen that has no redeeming features to it. But there's nothing that saves it. Okay, so since it was filmed in Los Angeles, the planes hit the tower at roughly 6am local time and both collapsed by 7.30 in the morning. Um, even if we're being generous and assuming that the news made its way to the Master of Disguise instantaneously I'm saying it's a pretty early to film, it's a time to be filming a scene set at night even on a studio soundstage but that's not entirely true what well you can film anything at any point of the day yeah. but he would have definitely been in makeup by that point 
I'll put you out of your misery. Yes, the cast and crew of Master of Disguise did hold a moment of silence on set to reflect on 9-11. And yes, Carvey was in full turtle getup. The impromptu ceremony just didn't actually happen on 9-11. I don't know entirely where all this information is from. This is why I didn't finish reading the article. because It sounds like like gibberish. (laughs) Because 294 out of 304 people found the bit of the trivia on IMDb interesting. And I choose to believe in them. <laughs> I choose to believe in people who found something interesting. Yeah, I do. All they're saying, all they're saying is that um, that seven o'clock in the morning is too early to be filming a, a night scene, which isn't true. But also, they wouldn't have started filming, but he would have definitely been in makeup by then. And yeah. they're also saying the other thing they're saying is that they didn't hold a minute silence on September 11th, and understandably because nobody knew what was going on on September 11th. Except for the director of Master of Disguise, who had it all <laughs> had his you shot mean, list ready, he knew what he was. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, you mean true. Perry Andelin Blake, the, um, the permanent uh, art director for most of Happy Madison's output? Of course. I. It's just absolutely crazy that film <laughs> because it doesn't make sense, right? It's it's you. If you're a Master of Disguise then surely it should be kind of like he finds out that his dad was a spy who used disguises. And so he inherits his dad's sort of like disguise kit. Not that there's an ancient, uh, what, what's the opposite of a curse? It's like a, it's like a guild, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, the guild of disguises. They've got a family, it's a family <laughs> gift that's passed down from generation to generation that they can disguise themselves. And it, but he's already using it before he finds out about it, right? But they don't want like him a, to use it because his dad is his dad, James fucking Brolin. <laughs> so the other question is. Did Barbara Streisand go to the premiere of Master of Disguise? <laughs> I think these are all questions we asked on the episode. <laughs> we were like, yeah, because like, I, I think I asked, like, has Barbara Streisand seen Master of Disguise? Mm. Or is she just like, you know what, Jimmy, I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah. Did, she have to, did she have to squeeze her husband's hand and say, you're not in it that much? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's well, in it more I, than he I needs thought, to be. <laughs> I thought you were funny. <laughs> Could have used more Edie McClurg. That was my takeaway from uh, Master of Disguise. It's absolutely crazy. Anyway, right, okay, so we've talked about Master of Disguise. 